Welcome to this week's Talking Codswallop. I am Gemma. We have a special guest this week who has had many fingers and many pies, or should I say Ooh. quiches? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> She's a writer, a performer, a stand-up comedian, a voiceover artist, a magician. We'll find out oh. a bit about that maybe later. And she loves the art of a story. Recently, she also dipped her toes into the world of podcasting, which is how I actually found out about this lovely lady. But yeah, please don't be offended by that. I do live under a rock most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) I am not at all offended about that. Not at all. Good, good. Because I think that's a perfect way to find out about someone. So please welcome to the show, Lynn Ferguson. Hello, hello, everybody, peeps. Hello. Oh, our listeners are called salty tadpoles, by the way. Just so you know, salty tadpoles. Yes. Do they have legs? Uh, Like the thing with tadpoles, at what stage of tadpoling are they at? Are they have they got the legs? Have they got the legs in the hands, or are they like are they just out the egg? Where are they? Your tadpoles. Let's let's put it this way: it's salty tadpoles, and it's meant to be dodgy. So. Oh, I see. You see, I'm a little slow today because of being on the sauce with Chrissy Hawks. Yeah. Well, don't worry. I'm happy to always spell anything out like that. So, <laughs> yeah, it's actually funny. You were saying you were saying about uh, Chrissy Hawks. Um, one of the reasons why I actually listened to your podcast first of all, mm-hmm. was because I had, um, Ch- we had Chesney on um, a couple of months uh. ago. Yeah, so I wanted to, like my colleague James, a co-host James, sorry, yeah, who c- said he's very sad that he can't be here today, but he's got work oh. commitments. So um, he, he um, looked at it from the, uh, you know, the olden days kind of, you know, like his background. Yeah. And then I was like, I'm just going to have a listen to the podcasts. And that's when I was like, I, I, uh, I was started listening for Chesney Hawks and then I fell in love with the Lynn Ferguson. So ah. <laughs> that's because in the podcast, I talk all the time. We have a joke. Well, we we finished recording that podcast, actually. Yeah. But we had a joke in the podcast, which was that Chesney was adorable. Neil lived under the stairs and I just talk. <laughs> all the time which is what happens in the podcast so I'm glad you liked it yeah absolutely I really did um I have got I have got a question about it as well Mm -hmm. so maybe we'll jump into that one now um I've got a few questions but for the most part this is just going to be a good old natter so okay yeah we don't have to do anything professional Actually, actually, before I jump into it, let's get our cods wallops off our chest because um, uh, we always like to open the show with something that's annoyed us. So (laughs) (laughs) would you like me to go first? Sure, you go first. Okay, no problem. Well, mine is, he makes an appearance quite often, my dog, (sighs) Mr. Sods. Yeah, he's he's a lovely dog and, uh, yeah, uh, you know, I love him to pieces. But uh, yes, he decided I uh, took him out for a walk and obviously a responsible dog owner, you have to pick up their doo-doos, you know, you <laughs> or pick up their shit yeah. <laughs> or codswallop. Um, but yeah, he actually uh, decided that it was a nice rocky area that he wanted to do his nice poo on top of the rocks and it was a 
bit of a runny one. I know it's a bit graphic oh. and it's a bit horrible, but I was like, seriously, dog, why of all the places, why couldn't you have gone on the ground instead uh, of, you know? <laughs> I know, I feel if dogs are going to do that, then they should let you know so that you could just put a bag straight under their butt and then yeah. it would solve all the problems. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so yeah so he's he's my codswallop in that sense um and also trying to give him medication because he's got a bit of arthritis now because he's getting a bit Aww. older yeah he's he's all right it basically he's um, a labrador cross with a collie yeah. so oh. the labrador in him really wants to play and uh, mm. sorry is the slow version but then the collie version like wants to play all the time so <laughs> he wants to round up sheep it, uh, or the lawnmower the other day as well so <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so yeah trying to give him tablets um we found he was hiding one he'd actually put his paw on top of one um, oh, yeah, that's so, impressive. It is, yeah. So we all thought that we were successful getting him to, you know, with a lovely bit of sausage, but no. <laughs> <laughs> and who doesn't enjoy a lovely bit of sausage, oh, to be fair? <laughs> let's <Right>? face it. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have anything? I do. Yeah? I good. do. But mine is a general thing, which I think you might know what it is, which is Tuesdays. I do not like Tuesdays. I see no point to Tuesdays. If something bad is going to happen uh, to you, it'll happen on a Tuesday. Uh, this is now agreed within the family where we notice things. In fact, my youngest son says, you know, like he'll go, oh, Tuesday was on Monday this week or whatever. We all recognise that Tuesday is the other thing. Yeah. Um. But he will also, because today is Tuesday that we're recording on, so there's been some glitches. It certainly and has. he said, to me, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he said to me this morning, he said, the thing is, you got to work out on a Tuesday. This is the only thing you got to work out, which is, is it just a Tuesday or is it a muffin to the junk Tuesday? Because <laughs> on a Tuesday at one point, when he was at school, somebody threw a muffin and it hit him in the junk. And he, he said it was quite painful, even though it was a muffin. Uh, and he said that that, was, that would only ever have happened on a Tuesday. So now we have not just bad Tuesdays, but we have muffin to the junk Tuesdays. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I do, I do feel sorry for him, but also that is funny. So. <laughs> yeah. The muffin to the junk, yeah. yeah. He thinks it's funny too, but he didn't at the time. He no. absolutely didn't at the time find that funny, no. No, no, I can, I can definitely, un well, I can, I, I mean, I can't personally understand, but I certainly can uh, <laughs> sort of understand that. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, as you just alluded to, um, I don't know how um, our technical issues went my codswallop as well, to be honest. But uh, uh. Yeah, this, this podcast originally was going to be a lovely little video, but um, I don't know. Uh, I moved, I, the strange thing is I moved my desk um, yeah. so that I'd have a nice backdrop. Um, instead of it being like ah, my bed. And... there's your mistake. That's <laughs> what you did. I know. Right? I know. So I thought, I thought to myself, right, okay, well, you know, and I did a couple of test runs and I was like, right, it's really not working. <laughs> it was driving me nuts. Um, and obviously then uh, we're now on an audio version. Yeah. I moved my desk back um, with the help of my, uh, well, calling my stepdad, my mum's boyfriend. And uh. Um, yeah, and here we are. <laughs> so and you're back. I'm, yeah. ba I'm back in my lucky corner. 
<laughs> I think that's what you should call it. Your lucky corner. I think call it, it is your lucky now. corner, and then you'll be like, oh, you can call it the Shangri La. We yes. have um, we have uh, bees. My husband keeps bees, okay. and uh, he wants to have another hive. So um, so we're getting another hive, and uh, we're putting it in the corner of, of an area of the yard that we're going to call Bee Haven. Right, oh. we were like, "Oh, that's hilarious!" Because the hive is called Buzzywood because we live in Los Angeles. We've got yes. Buzzywood and Cluckywood. Um, so yeah, uh, Beehaven for the corner. I'm a big fan on taking completely indistinct areas and giving them a name for <laughs> for no other reason than to entertain myself. <laughs> Why not? Let's yeah, right. You know, yeah. So Lucky Corner. I think Lucky Corner could be the right thing. For you, you could be having the lucky corner. Yep. Right? Well, there we go. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it happens. <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> but uh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, and also with regards to like moving to LA, what was the sort of deciding factor between uh, you know? Because obviously, originally, I think most people can yeah. probably tell you're Scottish. So I, um, uh, yeah, there's I, no uh, hiding it there. It's no pretend. <laughs> I got a job actually. I got a job on the Wait Late Show as a writer. Oh yeah. And um, and my my we were living in London. My eldest son was six, and my youngest one was like eighteen months. And we just were like, screw it, let's do it. So we did. Yeah. Uh, with the idea of coming for. <laughs> I said I would come for three months to try it out, but by the time that we got here, three months had passed before our furniture had arrived. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so then it was six months. And then before you knew it, I was like, I was at the Late Late Show for two years and then uh, started a company and then blah, blah, blah. So uh, that's what brought me here. And now I've been here, I guess. It must be 15 years, nearly 15 years in October. It's oh, crazy. Oh, blimey. So I know. you're definitely 100% American now, so to speak. <laughs> British well, person I'm, in America. <laughs> I'm coming back. I'm an American citizen. Yeah. Uh, but I'm coming back I'm to do the Edinburgh Fringe this year. I'm going back to the Edinburgh Fringe uh, to do a thing called Storyland, which is my uh -huh. own little show. And then I'm doing a tour of Scotland for a little bit. And then, then that's a mystery. But uh, I do come back, and um, I I like coming back. But now again, that's more possible because my kids are old enough. Yeah. Like when I moved here, I just um, you know, I don't. I th I think there's not really much point having kids if you don't spend time with them. So mm -hmm. um, when I moved here, and the kids were young, and the the way that it works in the uh, TV system here when you're if you're writing late night you're you're in the office a lot so I wasn't spending enough time with the kids I felt um so but now they're older and in fact my eldest son is coming to Edinburgh with me he's going to work at the Edinburgh Fringe oh nice where, yeah right um so yeah so I come back more often now and I may come back actually even a little more often do some more traveling because now everybody's agreed that Nobody misses me that much. It's probably because I name uh, indiscriminate little places. I give them magic names, you know. Yes. Like in the backyard, I have a thing called the fucking Serenity Garden because, <laughs> yeah, 
because <laughs> I was working on a project that was really difficult and I'd come out of the studio and into the backyard and my husband was there and he went, well, are you all right? And I went, no, I need you to build me a fucking serenity garden. So we have the fucking serenity garden. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> it's fucking serene as well. <laughs> so, you know. See, so what well, you sit there like, uh, you know, like a, uh, what was they called? Um, like a Buddha or, you know, whatever, cross-legged. <laughs> uh, I, I actually don't spend a lot of time there. On a, There's a fountain there. Oh, which nice. Is, I know, right? Um, so there's a little fountain in it. and Not a big fountain, just a little fountain. But uh, the bees really like the fountain and so do crows. We have a lot of crows. They like ah. to come and hang out in the fountain. So actually the fucking Serenity Garden has become like some kind of nature watch <laughs> where it's just all these different creatures. Yeah. You'll find so, it's uh, you'll find as well, I've heard this anyway, I'm not sure if it's a hundred percent true, but um the crows are probably there because of the chickens as well. Because they tend yeah. to protect the chickens, I believe. Yeah, they you know, they are I like crows. I, yeah. I know that they're not everybody's best friend, but I, I like the look of them. I think that they uh they're so smart. Mm. Um but we have out the front of the house there are these um trees that are it's so American actually. <clears throat> they're called um, live oaks and they were here before the house was built I think Okay. Um, and so they're maybe they're like a hundred foot tall or something they're massive like they're real if you tried to hug one of the trees you wouldn't be able to get your arms around it that's how big the trunk is oh blimey and so yeah so the crows it's a big it's Disneyland for crow and squirrel up yeah. there so uh, we kind of knew by living here that we would end up with quite a lot of wildlife anyway, but the crows are very fond of um, here generally, which is good because I like them, apart from when they dump trash. I don't like that they do that. No, no. And where I'm from, because I'm actually from Weymouth and Dorset. Um, oh, so lovely. Uwar, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Combine Arvester and all that. It's such <laughs> a nice part of the world, though. It's a beautiful place, isn't it? It is, yeah, and I'm right by the yeah. seaside as well. So the the picturesque parts are nice, um, yeah. but it can be a bit sleepy for my liking at times. But ah. you know, that's the only thing. And not that I'm really, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm not the kind of person that goes out on a night out or anything like that. But you mm. know, so it's still, yeah, it's quite. Yeah, I don't know. Quiet. It's not a lot going on. Yeah, you know, I like that sort of stuff. Though that's a, it, like people laugh at me because um, even though I live in LA, I I do not really <laughs> like everybody comes here, right? Mm. Because we have this crazy place where there's lots of insignificant little corners with funny names on them. And <clears throat> but I I think there's something very beautiful about being able to be in a in a quiet space and I, I I enjoy like I think I, I'm jealous of you actually I'm like oh well, you can nice come, to be in Weymouth well it, when you come over to the UK next you can come yeah. round for a lovely cup of tea how's that sound ah, thanks get the kettle on get the kettle on for me yeah I mean you can have a coffee as well if you wish or a soft drink uh, you know but oh, you know thanks very much I'll, I'll, I'll stick to the soft drink unless I'm with Chrissy Hawks in which case we'll be on the rosy <laughs> <laughs> I might even get you on the rosé. <laughs> so, uh, yes, yeah, so obviously we were talking about the podcast. So um, 
obviously you've had actually two podcasts um but they kind of mm-hmm. interlinked and became one um which were we're all a bit mental i think i got that one right and yeah. ferguson harrington hawks podcast and yeah. i was just wondering why initially did you change the name of the podcast and also i was sad to hear it was ended but yeah. it was also a big thank you to for actually saying goodbye and not just disappearing, which, ah, you know, some people you. actually do. So that's, yeah, I found that really nice that you guys did that. So We had a really, really, really good experience doing it. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so um, I came on board last uh, with We're All About Mental mm-hmm. because Chesney had, it was Chesney had called me up and he was like, Hey, I'm doing this podcast with uh, Brandon Block was doing it at the time and and Neil Harrington um, yep. and I've said we need a girl and I'm like, are you calling me a token woman? And he was like, uh, no, <laughs> scared. <laughs> so then I got involved with that and then th- we recorded that through the pandemic, which um, everybody through the pandemic was a bit mental. Yeah. Um, and we were all struggling. And so it was kind of an open acknowledgement that that we were all uh, uh, struggling mm-hmm. uh, to work things through. So um, we did that. And then um, Brandon left and, the, and also we changed in the sense that after the pandemic, I feel like, you know, even still, I think looking back, we look back on 2020 and go, God, did, did that happen? Was yeah. that a real thing? Did we even do that? So we, we wanted to move on from that, which was that everybody went into a place where they were just trying to feel better or um, uh, like trying to get back to some sense of normality. So we were like, like let's reconfigure this and change it and just show up and do the podcast. Yeah, but you know, we don't have to talk about mental health or whatever. We just can be there by doing that. Uh, and then we finished because we got to a stage where, again, that was sort of me, um, where I, I really enjoyed doing it, but I didn't know what. Uh, whenever I'm working on something, I like to know why I'm doing it. And we got to a point where I wasn't entirely sure why. Yeah. Um, and so then I said, uh, I think I'm going to bow out for it. Because we'd done it live at the Edinburgh Fringe and everything. We'd done a lot of things, you know. And poor Neil, like, he had come on as the <laughs> producer and then he ended up being a co-host. And he was like, I, 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 this was not my intention. And we're like, just do it. And so... Uh, and he got a, stuck in a cupboard as well, didn't he? So, yeah. Under the stairs, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we, we had a really good experience. And then I'm not... And we all ended the podcast on really good terms. You know, it couldn't have been nicer, really. It was really good. So I'm not... It is a sort of watch this space because I think we will do something else. It's just... Mm. um, I I think they're so... I I just don't want to do something unless I really want to do it. Um, I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like you do... You know, the time that you spend committing to this podcast... You do it because you love it, right? Yeah. Um, and that means that you get something out of it. Like you learn from it and you'll develop from it because you're committing to it. Mm. But if you're just showing up for something, like uh, then then there has to be a reason for doing it. So that, that was kind of it. And we were all good. And Chesney travels so much. I mean, that yeah. guy works so hard. 
So um, we were navigating all manner of places. It was it was funny. And then you know? I suppose you've got the um, time difference as well to ta- take into account for um, Neil as well, didn't you, as well? Yeah. So. Well, yeah, because Neil's over there. And then at one point, I think Chesney was, I can't even remember where he was. It might have been like Denmark or something like that. So there was like another, like when he travelled, there was always the time difference between me and Neil, which was eight hours. Mm-hmm. But then if he was on the East Coast, as in Chesney, then there'd be it would be three different hours between here and there. And then we also had guests, and the guests were calling in from all manner of places. Like we had people from Bogota and stuff like that. It was yeah. all getting a little out of hand. So, <laughs> But the beauty uh, with so the podcast... Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, um, you didn't at all. No, good. Um, the beauty with the podcast is, though, that, well, I mean, firstly, the content is all there, so you can, you know, people can go back and listen to it anytime they want, mm. so that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, but also you can just pick it up again whenever, you know, oh. like if you decide that you, like, you know totally. what, I fancy doing it and just a, a monthly thing or whatever. I mean, yeah. obviously, if you don't, then you don't. But, yeah, it's something, I mean, I... Yeah, with regards to this one, I try to keep it once a week. Um, but yeah. our listeners, again, the salty tadpoles, <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> they they know that like I'm I've got a busy June coming up. Um, yeah, with my person, you know, with my work and stuff. So you know, it, it may be that it's every two weeks rather yeah. than every week. But you know, I try to always make make sure there's content every week. But that's because this is my baby. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, my real totally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Totally. So, well, we've jumped all a- over the place, um, which that's is very yeah very common for me. So <laughs> I was looking through your IMDb and your um it's sort of like Wikipedia. So I don't know how how true either of those are if you um if you know I never look at them. There oh, could okay. be anything there so like I need to check them probably at some point because uh Anybody could be writing anything and I wouldn't know. That's no invitation, by the way. (laughs) No, definitely don't. (laughs) Um, But it looks like you've done so much stuff. And, um, you know, like, uh, you know, from like being a performer on the bill. um, (laughs) (laughs) I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, I did. I just had a baby at the time as well. God, that was intense. Um, I played this woman... um, uh, what was it? Was it Brenda? I can't even remember her name now. But I played this woman who um, was a prostitute, as you know, not your upper class prostitute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which uh, which I've got a story about in a minute, actually. Okay. So I played a, um, I played this oh, a prostitute who was uh, attacked by a serial rapist and killer and whatever. Um, so it was like a little intense because it was all you know there was the tell us what happened thing. Yeah. So that that but and these scenes are quite hard because they're like big long speeches, right? Which you don't really think about unless you're doing it. Because if you're like turning up in something and you're just like a guest in a sitcom or something, you've got dialogue and you're not you're generally not driving the scene. You are there to uh, kind of you're like there to kind of picture frame it. So yeah. like you're there to make it look better for the main character, right? To show you more about the main character's thing. It's not really all about you. However, if you do something like that where uh, you're uh, doing a, a victim or whatever, you only really do one scene, generally, 
Uh, but that scene will be a doozy. There'll be like a lot of work in it and that there are loads of things to say because you're basically saying the story of you. Yeah. So, um, and I just had a baby at the time, so <laughs> I wasn't sleeping. So I did that and then I came back and did it again because I think the next time I was in a, he'd got me again and I was tied to a chair and yeah, it was a lot of, uh, there's a, it's vague in the fact that I was like very much in that, um, my baby's getting me up yes. at three o'clock in the morning time, you know. <laughs> and it was my youngest too. And my youngest is uh, like I used to, trying to put him to bed was like trying to defuse a hand grenade. It was just, he was like the most intense kid ever. You're like, please sleep. He's like, no, I'm never sleeping, never. And neither are you. We are never sleeping ever again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That's such a brilliant impression of what a baby's like. <laughs> I tell you, if they weren't cute, they would be trouble because they're like, you know. Miniature drunks. That's what babies are. They're miniature belligerent drunks where they're just like, yes, let's do this. Yes, let's put my fingers in the plug hole. It's going to be fine. You know? <laughs> I am going to ram my finger in my ear or whatever. Or my oh, eye. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Miniature drunks. They really are. <laughs> <laughs> and what was your prostitute story? <laughs> she. Uh, oh, the other one. I am actually... Part of the reason I stopped doing the podcast with Ferguson Harrington Hawks is I have another podcast coming out. Um called My Index to Sex, okay. which is uh, a client of mine. So I, I work with people doing story and helping them write books and, you know, working on their plays or whatever. Yep. Um, and uh, a client of mine was at one point the highest paid prostitute in America. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. And so we, she, it was in the like 90s, really, though, doing sort of 90s, noughties, as mm-hmm. it were, aptly. But, and so she kept an index box uh, with cards of all of her clients on it. And so in each episode, she picks a card out of the index box and we talk about that client and what he wanted and why he wanted it. And it's quite funny. It's a little crazy. Yeah. <clears throat> but and obviously because we can't use their real names. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. She gives me the initial and I make up a name because in the same way that I like make up names about corners like Lucky Corner or Fancy Place or Bucking Serenity Garden. Um, I am the person that makes up the name. So uh, like we've got Mr. Fancy Blamange and we've got Woody Chopper and stuff like that. right? Um, and then and we go through. It's kind of like what it is like to see the other side. Like, she's not yeah. ashamed at all of being uh, an escort. Not at all. Um, and it's I, I, interesting to see the world from her eyes. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think that people should be ashamed either. If you choose, no. if you choose that way of life, you choose that way of life. You know, it's uh, everyone's got a path that they want to walk down. So, you know, just walk it with pride. And obviously... I suppose in that line of work, you have to be a little bit more careful, um, yeah. you know, than me doing my job, you know, in order to process, a, you know, the most I can get is a paper cut, but <laughs> or actually stress, but you know. <laughs> yeah, well, she does. One of the episodes we talk about is about when she got arrested. We have an episode about what happened when she got arrested. So <clears throat> we're looking at probably putting that out. Of the, we've recorded, <clears throat> I think we've recorded 10. 
And we're looking at putting it out towards the end of the year, I think. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, but that was like one of those things where, where I come back to, which is it was something that I wanted to do, so so I'm going to do it, yeah. you know. Which is kind of the way, like, that when you look at the stuff that I've done, <laughs> there's, a whole, there's a whole load of things that are disconnected, right? Where you yeah. go, well, you did that, and then, well, then you did that, right, okay. Uh, <laughs> why? And I'm like, because I wanted to. So it's it's a rhythm for me. Yeah, because I yeah I was gonna say, um, is there is there anything that you say no to? Because it does seem like you say yes to a lot of things, but then I suppose I mean <laughs> you probably do say no to things. But um, the yes journey kind of can take you to different routes, can't yeah. it? So yeah, I do say no to anything that I think I've done before, right? Like one of the things with. Um, I I don't like to revisit the not that I'm not, I'm not afraid of going back to the past or whatever, but I feel like we're on the planet for such a little time. Like yeah. there's it's we're here we're only here for a little while, you know, a couple of breaths. Mm-hmm. That um yeah. if I'm gonna do something and, and literally if I'm gonna do something that takes me away from my husband or kids or chickens or dogs, and I'm not so fussed about the bees, um, <laughs> then it has to be something that uh that I really care about. So, like, with Storyland that I'm doing in Edinburgh, it, it matters to me because I wanted to write something that was... Um, I, I wanted to do something that, like, allowed people to know my stories but think about their own. Like, there's a piece with that we would do within Ferguson and Harrington Hawks um, where I would ask people to tell me a story and then I'd tell them what I heard in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I kind of wanted to do something that was a little like that, but do it live. Because I feel like the, you know, we get told a universal story, uh, which is the world is bad or refugees are coming to take your house or like just shit where you're like that. You know what? That's not true. Like Jacob Rees-Mogg does not get up in the morning and think about you. He doesn't, right? And any of the stuff that says he does is a is a tale of fiction, right? It's a, a a fictional tale we all agree with or are complicit in. So I wanted to do something where um, I could tell true stories about myself, actual, real, genuine things, um, perfect and imperfect, right, as a human, but do it in a way that would ask people to consider their own stories and how the uh, how much worth they have because I think the greatest thing the thing that annoys me most maybe this could have been my codes walk mm. is that I believe that too many people believe that they are meaningless that their contribution means nothing that they are insignificant and I, I don't agree with that I don't agree with that I think it's a lie uh, and I wanted to do a show that kind of opened that up as a as a place of perspective, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, like, Storyland takes me away from here and my dog and my chickens and my whatever. Um, but I'm doing it because I believe there is a reason to do it. I believe that um, 
I believe that it matters. So I do a similar thing, actually. I'm on a bit of a rant. But... You'll find this podcast is all about you. So, you know, you carry oh, on. I mean, you, let me talk occasionally, you know. But... Well, I don't know. I don't know. Not unless you do. Like, you have interesting corners, like Lucky Corner and Beehaven. So I, I do this thing. Another thing that I started, and this was part of the the thing with why it was why I was ready for Ferguson Huntington Hawks Day end really is I, I recognised uh, like Chesney and I have been talking about this for a while um, that I recognised that uh, I thought that the biggest epidemic that the world is dealing with is loneliness mm-hmm. that uh, people feel isolated even within groups of people they feel isolated you know there's and I don't know whether it's a hangover from you know, the scary stuff that happened in 2020 and everything. Or it's just that when you tell people um, often enough that they don't matter, then they no longer connect. So I started this thing called Notes from the Valley. Okay. uh, Which is a blog that I do every Sunday. Because I used to have to call my mother on a Sunday, wherever I was in the world, I used to have to call her. And I had to work out what time. It was like in Cumbernauld, like I had to get two o'clock in Cumbernauld. So it would be time I would be calling in the middle of the night from Australia and stuff like that. (laughs) Because my mother would, uh, you know, it'd shoot me if I didn't. Um, So I start, my mother's passed now. She she died just after I moved here. Oh, sorry. uh, Well, you know, we all do. And also she was a wonderful woman. So I'm really grateful for having had her in my life. Um. But I was going to so say, I do, just quickly, I was going to say, maybe she's yeah. rocking up there with my dad at the moment because uh, oh. yeah, he's, he's up there as well. So, you know, he, or, he might, or he might be down there. We're not sure. Nah. <laughs> no, he would be or he might be right beside you all the time, whispering <laughs> in your ear. You never can tell. Yeah, exactly. He probably will be. Yeah. Nah. Get away. No, so, I, so I do this, um, the Notes from the Valley um, is an email that, uh, is sent out that would hit two o'clock in Cumbernauld every Sunday. So instead of calling my mother, I send a letter out into the universe. Oh, that's um, lovely. Yeah, well, just about like what it's like here or what's happening. or and, and people write back and, you know, like now what's really beautiful is um, like there are, it's not big numbers, but like there are 600 people who read that blog every Sunday. Like 600 people who start, like, open it up and have a think about what it says. And that matters because I, to me, because I feel, not that it's like they need to read my stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. we've got other stuff to read. But the point is, is about uh, we connect. Yes. That there there is a ritual every Sunday that this happens, right? And, and hopefully what it means is that they do their own rituals with people they like better than me. <laughs> and, then, and then it moves on. So, like, that's what I mean. That's what the kind of stuff that I work on. And and when I when I work on something, it's because I have that thing where I go, God, this is a really good script or this would be a good idea or, or I just want to do this because I want to. Um, that's what kind of drives everything. Yeah. Which is why if you look at my work, you're like, what the hell? 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, honestly, I mean, it was it was like, it was fascinating watch because I was like, uh, reading, sorry, in a way. Because yeah. I, I mean, I didn't do a deep dive because I like to just do sort of a on the surface kind of, you know, look at things. Because I, yeah. I think that the conversation is actually more interesting if you don't know stuff, you know what I mean? Uh, oh, not, totally. n- not loads of stuff anyway. Um but yeah, uh, yeah. So you know, seeing all these different things, I was like, "Oh my god! Oh, oh I, I know that! I know that! <laughs> I know it's random. It's like if you put my career right. If you were drawing it out, is like if you put paint on your dog's paws mm-hmm. and got him to run across the kitchen, right? <laughs> That's what the map of my career is. You're like, oh, 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 oh you went, oh, oh, okay, you went there. <laughs> there isn't any sense to it at all. But have you had fun doing it? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? You know, not every. I loved everything. You know, sometimes it's like everything in life. Sometimes you go into a project and you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is. And and even with notes from the valley, I'm not going to lie. Like putting out a blog every week, uh, so that it hits two o'clock in Cumbernauld uh, on a Sunday, is is graft because it's not my you know like I have other projects that I'm on and other things that I'm doing and so some weeks it's not I don't go oh yeah you know I don't don't just sneeze a blog you know which would be lovely (laughs) (laughs) but then other weeks it feels brilliant you know and I work I actually have quite a lot of bloggers that I work with like I teach them how to blog Um, and and one of the things that I say to them is because you have a couple of weeks where you go, God, I hate this, doesn't mean that you hate the whole task. Yeah. It's like you have ups and downs with it. I mean, you must get it when you're doing the podcast sometimes where you're like, oh, my God, why? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like today. Now, probably. I mean, not yeah. now, but, yeah, today, <laughs> earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, it's a good job I use my sure deodorant. That's all I can say. <laughs> No. <laughs> so just as as you're a writer, um huh. I wanted to know what your opinion was on the sorry the current writer's strike that's happening. Um yeah. yeah, and what what you think of all that's going on basically. So Um I'm totally for it. I should be out in a picket line myself and I'm not actually just because I've got commitments and other things. Yeah. I'm totally for it. What they are asking for <laughs> matters it really really matters and even if it feels like it's not connected to you it is right because basically what it's to do with is it's uh the streaming services and the studios think that basically they're thinking that ai will be able to do that job which Mm. it won't Um, although ai itself i'm really excited about like i'm already thinking of how to use it in my own project so I, i like i'm not against it yeah, but <clears throat> the there has been a constant and consistent devaluing of writers over a long period of time by uh, studios, and actually they have to stand up for themselves now. This one's really important, and I think SAG are going to come out as well. Yeah, um, to support it, I'm totally for it. You know, if they got what they're asking for. This is part of the thing about understanding what's going on here and how yeah. greedy shit is. Um, if they got what they're asking for, I think it is something like 0.01 of the profits it would affect in in the the is it Amazon 
It might even be, yeah, it's 0.01 for them. They're talking about a difference or a deficit for them, but the it's to do with, it's a power game yeah. about writers don't mean anything. <laughs> we, we are the contributors. And that's been going on for a long time. You know that thing when sometimes you watch <clears throat> shows and you're like, I'm sure I've seen this show before, but with different people, right? Yes. Yeah. That, that it's so formatted that, uh, you know, like there's always a detective and he's split up with his wife and his boss keeps giving him what for. And then he meets a lady who is way too young for him, actually, and probably wouldn't be interested in him, but she <laughs> is interested in him. And then maybe sometimes they go and they solve these crimes that nobody else can solve, right? Like, it's there are set structures, but there are some times when you watch a show and you go, do they even care that we are watching this? Th those are... Though that's what happens when executives run things, because they're not writers; they're money people. Yeah. Um. So it is really important that uh, this works for the yeah. writers. It really is. Yeah, and also you know, like you see the the things. I mean, I haven't looked into it loads. Um, but um. Yeah, it's it's kind of like you see the sort of the comedians and the the, yeah. um, the TV show hosts and stuff like that, and you know they're you know the fact that they can't do their program at the moment because the writers are on strike. You know, it's it shows totally. how much they are needed because if not, the you know people people can't. Yeah, go on, and also know. like so, <clears throat> I've written over in the UK, and the way that it tends to work in the UK, uh, not not for everybody, and obviously, you know, my experience of working there has been minimal in the past 15 years because I'm over here. Mm -hmm. um, but it tends to be like, so I wrote a sitcom for the BBC, and then that's on me. I write that, all of it, right? But then I'm only writing um, six episodes, and I'll probably get like a year and a half to do that, right? Yeah. So, like, when I was working at the Late Late Show, <clears throat> excuse me, we're doing five shows a week, and I think it was 48 weeks of the year. Um, so we'd go in in the morning at 9 a.m., and what we wrote and worked on would be uh, recorded at 5 p.m., right? Uh, so, like, that stuff is every day coming up with things. Um and for people who are doing uh, series uh, and, uh, you know, refillables and all that here, a series and a, a sitcom here is 26 episodes or 22. And that will be delivered in a season. So it, you don't get a year and a half to write it on your own. And so that's why they have groups of them. They'll have a showrunner, like, kind of sorting out where things are going, you know, and what the arc of the series is. But then you'll have all these other writers um, like building up the scripts and writing them. It really is a very intense um, job, right? Yeah. And and when you're with writers here, like TV writers, um, <clears throat> you'll see them some parts of the year. And then other parts of the year, you won't see them at all because they're, you know, nose against this uh, grain or whatever. Um it's a lot, if you think of the level of content that goes out, it's not just a lovely show that is like six episodes and then done till next year, you know? Yeah, I think sometimes as well as the viewer, um, you know, we neglect to sort of see that side of things as well. I suppose 
it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because like, I suppose if it's done that well, you do neglect to see the work that's gone into it because it looks yeah. real, if you know what I mean. But totally. um, yeah, but at the same time, yeah, you should sort of take a moment to think of all of those people, you know, even down to the people running around with sandwiches or whatever, you know, it's everyone's, yeah. everyone's obviously got a part to play in productions and, uh, you know, whatnot. So yeah, I think it is important to actually remember everyone and uh yeah let's give those writers some more money those yeah yeah well also because uh it's the tip of the iceberg if the writers are not given the right it's less about money and more about rights to be honest yeah <clears throat> if the writers have no rights right they're sort of uh in in the level of the pecking order they're quite high up mm-hmm. so that means if they don't get it then everybody involved in that project is suffering. Everybody. So it isn't just about what the writers get, it is about the entertainment industry as a whole. And and whether that is of value. And and when it, it's like, uh, in terms of do you support it or not, it, the only question you ask yourself is, does it matter to you what products you see? Do, do you uh, get anything out of watching TV or films or anything? Um, or are you happy to just get the same old shit over and over again? Because if you don't want the same old shit over and over again, then uh, then you should be uh, supportive of the writers too. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I don't want the same old shit, unless it's good yeah. shit, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but even that, you know, yeah. like, ice cream's lovely, but if you get it, like, for... You know, 10 years, every meal, you'll go off it, you know. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. even D- Game of Thrones, in my opinion, went downhill. So, um, yeah. you know, I don't know if you ever watched that programme or not, but... Uh... Uh, it's not, it's too violent for me. Okay. I like, do you know, my, the things that I like, I like things where it's detective stories, uh, where there's gruesome murders happen in a village, <laughs> but nobody's really that bothered about it, and they all still have a bake sale afterwards. <laughs> That's... That's my kind of thing that I like watching. Give me more of them. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. I I do love how it went from a gruesome murder to a uh, what's it called to a bake sale. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, is the bake sale included the gruesome murder? Yeah. Or, but that's how my well, mind sometimes, goes. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. sometimes it is. Sometimes it's a battle over cakes or whatever. It's I think it's hilarious. <laughs> like you get these little like midsummer murders where you're just like nobody seems that but she just had her head chopped off and nobody seems to be that scared about it. Everybody's just getting on with it. Fa la 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 la. Right? Like, holy moly. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, sometimes it is funny. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so obviously you've done, uh, I keep saying obviously, but I mean, it's obvious to me, it's obvious to you, but might not be obvious <laughs> to everybody else. But anyway, so you've done some voiceover work. You have played Mac um, on Chicken Run, haven't you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, indeedy. Yeah. Um, what is voice work like, first of all? Do you actually get to hang out with people or is it more like a solo thing? That... Uh, it's For Ardman, they are very specific. And uh, it's it's mostly solo. I really, really, really love working with Hardman. I think they are mm. proper artists, like proper artists in every sort of the way. Uh, like the the animators are incredible. The writing is smart as hell. Yeah. And the like Sam who's directing, 
uh, chicken run too. His the inside of his brain is like one huge. It must be like the Sistine Chapel or something in there. You know, he has all these. He's keeping all these kind of um, plates spinning all the time. Yeah, and yet he can see tiny, tiny things. So no, like when I record with them, I usually turn up in my own. Um, and then uh, it's about getting, it's not even like recording like this is recording where, you know, like the point is to have a conversation yeah. with um, that kind of recording. You're looking at um, getting the sound exactly right. It's, much, it's probably a little bit like opera or something like that. You want to get the sound yeah. exactly on the spot, which sounds weird to do, but it's such a... a like, so I've done a bit of writing on Chicken Run 2 as well, right? Okay. And uh, the um, one of the things that we talk about with Sam is that uh, I, I will shorten lines when I can because if I can take certain words out <clears throat> or shorten, like take out a sentence, I will have saved the budget the equivalent of a small car, right? It's a very <laughs> expensive thing to do. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, do you want to save a small car? And he's like, oh, what do you mean? And I'm like, well... <laughs> um, the initial one there was one group reading without Mel Gibson we all met together and this second one it's partly because we started during uh, lockdown Yeah, I, th- I think that was maybe it that, um, that we've all just done it individually you know Yeah, and then it's put together in the giant brain of Sam yeah, yeah. And yeah, I was going to say they are geniuses because um, they're the guys oh, they're behind Wall- Wallace and Gromit, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and yeah. he's showing the sheep and all that. Oh, they're just yeah. they're and brilliant guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're amazing. They're like uh, proper. They're just properly good humans. Do you yes. know what I mean? They're really like good humans. And sometimes there was a uh, Peter Lord came over. Oh God, I don't even remember when. And. Uh, called me up and he said, I'm going to a party tonight. Do you want to come? And I was like, really? And he went, yeah, well, you know, just I could do with a plus one. Do you want to come? And I was like, okay. And it was, I think it was the head of Sony's party. And it was all Brad Jolina and George Clooney. And it was like, and me and Peter. <laughs> You're like, whoa. And it is like, what a sandwich. It was just, they're so, they're just good. You know what I mean? And yeah. he had his blue Peter badge on and. He's Aww. a properly good human. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I really absolutely. Oh, like well, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear. You know, it's always nice to know that the people that you admire are as nice as you imagine they would be. You yeah. know what I mean? They, so. are, they really are. They, yeah. they are what you would hope they would be. Yes. You know I mean? When you go, oh, I really hope that that they are. And yeah. sort of more than that, they're just... Pro- I, I, Whenever I get a call saying that I'm doing stuff with Artman, I'm like, oh, hooray. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, magic. Yeah. So going back to what you said earlier, that, you know, you don't tend to go backwards, but in that case, you will always go backwards when it comes to them, really. With Artman, for sure. Yeah. Like, that's that thing where sometimes you do a project because you're doing a project. Um, and then, but other times it's like you're, you're doing a project because the relationship you have with the other person is the thing that you, that, that grows and is wonderful. Like I will always work with Chesney. I adore him mm-hmm. and we are proper mates, right? So it's very likely that I'll work with Chesney and it's, you know, I'm sure there'll be some similarities and 
and what we've done before. Um, because we're uh, we're still the same set of arms and legs and thoughts and you know considerations. But I I don't think um, for me going back to something where it's like trying to recreate the past, it would work, right? And even in Chicken Run 2, that's not what happens, you know. I can't tell you anything about it, obviously. No, but, yeah, I um, won't ask. <laughs> no, I can't. But um, apart from the truth, which is that they're lovely. But they're, they're, uh, you have to acknowledge the passage of time. You know, I, I like in work for it to have a truth. And mm-hmm. if something yeah. has a truth to it, then um, you have to acknowledge that time has passed, that we're not all in the same conveyor belt as we were before. Yeah. 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 That's a beautiful way of putting it. You must be a writer. <laughs> <laughs> some days I don't feel like it just so, you know. Some days I'm like, oh my God, get me another fucking Serenity Garden, right? <laughs> it's like, you've got fucking thing. one. <laughs> I know, I've got one. There is a thing I would say actually to anybody who wants to write because I, I really do, I, I would like people to. I, mm-hmm. I really do want people to see value in their own stories. Um, that with writing, uh, the trick is to start um, and only concern yourself with numbers. So, like you say, I'm only going to write. I'm going to write five hundred words today, right? Like so, for example, I, it's somebody had talked to me about writing a book, and I'm like, oh, seems like an awful lot to do. But then I just do it by numbers, and now I'm up at, I think I'm at like 25,000 words, which is like a quarter of the way through. Um, so if you do it by number, if you say, like, I'm going to write 500 words uh, four days a week, and then you don't uh, edit it or criticise it for, mm. like, say, three weeks, by the time that you've done that, you'll have got through that awful thing of, I would like to write something, but my teacher that I had when I was eight told me that I was shit, so, and she might read this, and so I'm terrible. Like, you have to do it by numbers, and then you get through. But the other thing to understand about writing, <laughs> and every time this happens, I go, God damn it, <laughs> is there's always a point in every project where you go, I think this is the worst thing I've ever written, and I'm never going to write another thing. It's just before it actually changes into the next level. Yeah. But it's if people knew that that happened, I feel like more people would write because then they go, "Oh, you mean I'm not really crap? No, no, you're really okay. You know, it's just you're in that phase of this is all rubbish. I'm never going to do that. And Mrs. Dunbar told me I was a bad person, and I'm a bad person, and she might read it. You know, it's all that rubbish. Yeah. And I suppose also when you're the writer or the artist or whatever, you know, in, you know, because um, my mum's an artist. So, you know, oh, wow. I, yeah. So very, very talented as well. Um, really? But yeah. And obviously I'm on the creative side with regards to the podcast and stuff. But yeah. I was going to say, it doesn't matter what kind of project you're on. You, if you are too close to the project, sometimes you can. Yeah. You, you know, like there's been episodes that I've put out that I've gone oh I really don't like this episode but you know <laughs> I, I'm gonna put it out anyway and then yeah. I get the feedback from people saying oh my god this was amazing I'm like what were you yeah. listening to <laughs> you know? I know it's totally that right but there are yeah. points where you just go I'm an idiot I'm never speaking again right? yeah. <laughs> and I, I think that that's the thing because I went to drama school and I wish that they taught that at drama school where they mm. go understand there'll be many points in your life 
where you'll think that you're the biggest asshole in the room. <laughs> and sometimes you'll be right, you will be the biggest asshole in the room. Yeah. But you've got to move forward through it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, How are you doing on time, by the way? I am fine till 12.30, is that okay? What time is, is it now? 12.20. Okay, so we'll start Is wrapping that- it up then in that case. Yeah. And it's fine. Um, I was just going to, there was a couple more questions that I wanted to ask. And mm-hmm. would you mind talking about your experiences with your breast cancer or do you rather not talk about that? Uh, I'm, I'm okay talking about it because I, um, the only time that I don't really like talking about it is where I feel like it gives me some nobility over other people, you know. Mm-hmm. Like cancer is a, a weird thing because it's I, I say it's sort of like dogs in a way. Like no two dogs are the same and no two cancers are the same. Yeah. <clears throat> but when you say cancer to people, they're like, holy shit, right? Yes. Um, yeah. So it was a bit of a journey. I am clear now, free and clear. Um, but yeah, I just... Um, I don't know. What would you like to ask? No, I, I was just, um, I, I was kind of thinking, you know, with regards to, I suppose in a way your experience with it, but, you know, let's actually just bypass it because we're having a good old giggle. Let's not take it down. <laughs> <laughs> so let's take that uh, as an edit. Right. Um, <laughs> no, no, but I'm, I am pleased. I am pleased that, you know, Thank obviously you. you have, you know, been, you fit, you fit, what oh my god why can't I say fighting you've fought it well is what I'm trying to say (laughs) well the unfortunate thing about cancer is that cancer doesn't care what your feelings are about it so like uh, that that I think it's very hard on people uh, when they're in the middle of it Mm -hmm. when they feel like they've got a battle right when you just go you know what just accept it but also the other thing that I sort of <clears throat> the only reason I'm ever really reluctant about talking about it, and I, I do talk about it, in fact, this week's blog on Notes from the Valley, there's a bit about it, okay. but only because it reflects something else. It's about a time period mm-hmm. more than the big woo. Um, is that people are struggling with really horrible diseases that don't... <clears throat> if somebody's got chronic diabetes, people don't go, oh, my God. Right, yeah. <clears throat> but if somebody's got a bit of cancer, people are like, "Oh, oh my god!" Or like a friend of mine came round recently, and she has chronic ME, and oh. that is a nasty, 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 nasty disease. It really right? is, yeah. But but when people, you know, if she can't go somewhere or she's not well or whatever. And people say, why can't you go? And she says, oh, it's my ME. Nobody's going to go, oh, my God. Whereas if she says, well, I'm fighting cancer, people would be like, oh, my God. So yeah. that, the only reason I get weird about talking about cancer is because I don't uh, I don't celebrate it. I don't no. see it as being the, the king or queen of all illnesses. Um, I suppose... And, and I... Yes. I, 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 I Sorry, sorry go on. Sorry. I was gonna, no. I, what I was going to say was, did did it sort of change you in any way as a, like a person, you know, with regards totally. to... Yeah, that you wanted to yeah. sort of go for things a lot more or whatever? I think there's a thing that... It definitely helped me in the... Uh, the way that I talk with my kids is honest mm-hmm. because I don't necessarily believe... Um, that before cancer, I went through this idea that the Grim Reaper would come for other people and it would be very sad. 
when but I, and I would struggle through. But that somehow, weirdly in my head, I thought that the Grim Reaper would never come for me. They'd yeah. sort of be like, oh, you're going to be good. And then you get to a point where they're like, uh, by the way, the Grim Reaper's here. And he's asking if you want to go on the big boat to the scary land. And you're like, whoa, I had no idea. Um, so what it did was it made me recognise my mortality. Yeah. And in doing so, it... Uh, it I don't. I think I probably didn't. I've never really been into pretense anyway, apart from you know if you're acting and pretending to be a yeah. prostitute that's being chased by a scary guy, you know, <laughs> so one of these things, uh, or you know, um, but it it certainly the way that we talk as a family is now much more honest. I um, I work. In, the, in our group of people, in our little pod of family, we work on us as individuals, as in I actually really like my kids as people. Like, not just because they're my kids. If they weren't my kids, I still would like them as people. Yeah. Um, because I've got to know them. Not because of the role that I take in their lives, but because I know them as people. And, and hopefully likewise. So that's what cancer did, where I was like, you know, uh, nothing's a given, really. And uh, and but I I the only time that I don't really not the only time I am reluctant to speak about it as a thing because everybody that's going through that cancer journey or who is related to somebody who's going through that cancer journey has their own individual experience. Yes, and yeah. there is no guarantee either way. So I was reluctant for people to join in my cancer journey because I'm like there's a fairly good chance you'll get one of your own and uh, <laughs> yeah don't base your happiness on on what's happening with me you know yeah no that's that's fair yeah absolutely so the topic we weren't going to talk about we've talked about quite well <laughs> <laughs> there you go that's it uh, that's the thing isn't it you can just naturally just t- t- uh, talk about different things so um yeah. and then sort of yeah well there was two more but I can always just leave it as one more but um I'm quite interested in your website your um your company that you've got which is youtellyours.com and yeah. um, what's the initial idea behind it and also what would people expect to experience if they joined um, up? We, well it's changed over time the, the, you, there is a thing actually we're doing a, a, an offer on Udemy just now so that I think this would be a, if people wanted to work with on story with me this would be the best way to go I think right now because normal, yeah. in the past I used to do uh, groups of people take their stories, help them find stories, and then they deliver it to an audience here mm-hmm. in LA. Or I would uh, work with people individually to try and like I worked with people coming out. I've worked with people coming out of cults because, Ooh, um, yeah. well, just you know, we're all we can all get the thing with cults is we we're all susceptible in one way or another. You know, like everybody yeah. wants to belong. So um, I help them refine their story, like work out who they are. But I tend now only to see people that are referred by other people that I've seen, right? Because it's quite deep work. But the you tell you and, and the you tell yours itself. My husband uh, does you tell yours for business, mm-hmm. which is that um, often the problem in a workplace 
is not um, is not a, a, a sort of hard-edged one. It is that there's a story going on in that workplace that everybody can hear, but they can't quite agree what it is, right? Yeah. So, like, you go into a, a room and you're like, are they talking about me? Is this thing going on? Um, and so he does these group things where people do story exercises. And actually, you find out that the person in the corner is dealing with uh, their elderly mother and trying to get them into care. And really, they're not mad at you. They're really struggling with themselves. Like, it opens up the concept that everybody's running their own story at the same time. And sometimes you can walk into a room and think you've wandered into conflict when really it's nothing to do with you at all, you know. So that's the side that he deals with. But on there's a company called Udemy, and they do teaching courses. Okay. Um, and we put up... Because I'm really, I'm really committed to the idea that I want people to talk. I want them to be able to go, "Hey, stuff has happened to me." <laughs> yeah. Um, that uh, we put up a course. I can't even remember when it was called Lift, which was about how to do public speaking because people are afraid of public speaking and they shouldn't be. It's dead easy. Uh, so it basically tells you how to do it, and it's free. And so if you've got a speech to do, then you could go on and do Lift. And then we put up just recently another course, which is um, what I used to do in classes. And it's about how to find your individual narrative and be able to use it. So it's like uh, basically a course that um, if you try to find out who you are or if you want to talk about your family tree or you think that you've got a memoir that you want to write, or you're having problems with uh, writing your CV, right? All, or, or actually another thing I used to do a load of work on and then stopped because I got busy doing other things was um, a lot of the time people screw up interviews, job interviews, because yeah. they don't have a story about themselves. And when they talk, they sound like they're lying. <laughs> I know. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, so I do. <laughs> this, yeah, this course will help with that. It just helps you find your story and then it's like a really good starter. So if people wanted to work with me, I would go to Udemy, which is U-D-E-M-Y, and do that course. And I think we bought it on at like $14.99 or something like that, dollars. So it's nothing, right? Yeah. Because we, we reduced it because I was like, until there, I get, I'm not saying that life is easy for me because it's not easy for anybody, mm -hmm. but I am aware that in my life I've been incredibly lucky. And the, the nature of existence is that you're meant to hold a hand out to help others uh, move up to. I, I really do believe that. Even with story, the point of, of story is that you leave a post-it note for the people who are yet to come saying, I was here, this is what I know, right? That, that's why to tell a story. It's not so it can be famous or any of that shite, because that's all really boring. Um <laughs> Well, it is, though. Fame, I never really understood because it means that people that you love and care about are afraid to tell you anything. Yeah, and I suppose, people that yeah. you don't care about want to be your friend. It's it's a it's a difficult place to be. Yeah, and I um, suppose you don't need to trust either, do you? Uh, obviously, no, because, outside of friends yeah. and uh, immediate friends and family sort of thing, you don't know yeah. exactly who to trust and whatnot. So, well, if you look at Chesney, jeez, man, I mean, he like nineteen years old and became a target for everybody's, you know, vitriol. 
Um, so the, the thing about doing the story is I would like people to understand that even if it's just to um, leave something, like you talked earlier on about your dad, right? Yeah. And uh, one of my um, bloggers is about to publish letters that her dad wrote to her about his life. And it's a great get and he was in Vietnam and, you know, like he grew up in the Midwest and all that. It's a very different lifestyle and he and she is lucky that she has that information, right? Like how wonderful would it be if you found a stack of things that your dad had written about what it was like when he was seven or 27, yeah. right? So that's the point of doing story. It's about leaving things for other people. So hopefully that's what the course is I can't even remember what it's called. But if you look me up on Udemy, you'll find it and um and I'm sure we can Yeah, what I'll do yeah. is what I'll do is on on the um podcast um you know, the bio sort of thing. I'll yeah. um, I'll put all the links in there. And like obviously if you've got any links that you want to me to add, I'll just um add them on there. That's no problem. I was really? just gonna, I was just gonna tell you a very, very quick fun story about um yeah. my dad. Um yeah, before he passed away he said uh, I mean he said many a thing, but he was a he, <laughs> he 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 was Welsh or he still is, in my opinion. He's yeah. still Welsh. Um so yeah, he had a very cheeky charm. Um but uh, yeah, he always said that he was going to come back as an irritating fly. So anytime we see an irritating fly that's buzzing around our head, I'm like, all right, Dad, bugger off. <laughs> Isn't that the best? Though? Yeah. Like, and that's that thing about having a story when the person's gone is the mm-hmm. thing that makes it still okay. Yes. You know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so just quickly before I let you go, um, no. you know, because I, I know you're dying to leave. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's yeah. just it's still day here. It's like evening with you. But I'm like, oh, man, I've got stuff to do. And I should have done it earlier. No, but I then know. that Chrissy Hawks had me on, on the rosy this morning. Uh, well, not ter- this morning, last night. But, yeah, she's yeah. she's terrible. She's a terrible lady. She I'm sure is she is. danger. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I was just going to say, um, what are your like social medias, websites and things like that? for people to check you out I am Lynn Fergie Ferg on Instagram I am Lynn Fergie on Twitter I am Lynn Ferguson on Facebook and I but everything that I write or anything that's really about new stuff that I'm doing is lynnfergie.com okay yeah yeah, and it's, um, well, obviously, people probably realise how Lynn is spelt, but it's L-Y-N-N. And then, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, there's quite a few different spellings, isn't there? So, I know. Yeah. Oh, my God. I know that, right? <laughs> Especially the spellings that I get over here. When I have a Scottish accent in L-A, it's like... L-U-N or one. <laughs> no, it's not one. <laughs> well, the people the people in um, America as well, they can never pronounce my name properly either. It's either, oh, really? they either come up with Jima oh. or, or Jema. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my like, God. Oh, yeah, we're close. <laughs> but there we have it. So, Lynn, I think that we've been talking enough Codswallop this week. I have been Gemma or Jima. <laughs> and, Gemma. You, and you have been... Lynn Ferguson. Yay! Woo!